I hope that people see e-designers out there and see that we're helping a, a gap. Like there's a gap in who interior designers can service, but I think there is room for both. Hi, I'm Caitlin Peterson, the editor-in-chief of Business of Home. Welcome to Trade Tales. In every episode, I'll be talking to interior designers about nurturing creativity, finding their firm's financial footing, setting goals, and finding their own version of success as a result. My guest today is a designer who does things a little differently. She doesn't measure her clients' windows for drapery or install their new furniture. In fact, she doesn't set foot in a client's home at all. She's a knee designer, and our conversation is a fascinating look at an entirely new school of interior design. I can't wait to share it with you. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Universal Furniture. This fall, Universal is thrilled to be back at High Point Market with another incredible lineup of speakers for its exclusive panels, seminars, and other designer-focused events. Don't miss your chance to hear from top industry leaders like Melissa Galt, Gail Doby, Victoria Sanchez, Denise Guadalupe Rojas, Laura Hodges, and Rue Magazine. Plus, international supermodel and entrepreneur Miranda Kerr will be making a special appearance to showcase her latest universal furniture collection, Tranquility. Featuring a refined palette of materials and textures, this collection promises to be your next favorite assortment of styles. Space is limited, so be sure to save your seat now at universalfurniture.com slash market events and visit the Universal Furniture Showroom on October 14th through 20th at 101 South Hamilton Street. Do you know Chelsea House? The designer favorite furniture brand has been in business for more than 45 years, but they're having a moment now. Their furniture, lighting, art, mirrors, wall decor, and accessories are all classically inspired, but with a modern twist and a mastery of the mix, with finishes, materials, and colors that are always spot on. Chelsea House is the designer's go-to for unique pieces that take a project to the next level. See all of the products, including everything that's in stock and ready to ship, at ChelseaHouseInc.com. I always wanted to be a businesswoman. Like that was my dream was to just be some sort of businesswoman wearing these really amazing business suits and high heels and being important. And I became an accounting major and out of college was a CPA. So design wasn't really on my radar at all at that time. That's Peggy Haddad. Though her career began in accounting, she always nurtured a love of design. And when her growing family moved into a house that needed fixing up, she finally got a chance to explore that passion. At the time, I did actually call around to some interior designers to see how much it would cost. And it was so expensive that I was like, oh, I can do this. So I took on designing the house myself and working with the contractors. And I loved it. I had so much fun. After we were done with our house, several of my friends said, can you help me with my house? I really enjoyed that. And so one morning I woke up and I told my husband, hey, what if I did this for work? What if I helped people virtually put together a design board for them and a shopping list and didn't ever have to go to their house? And he was like, okay. (laughs) I think he told me exactly. The words he said to me was like, well, you're no Joanna Gaines, Peggy, but whatever you want to (laughs) do. I kind of um, give him a hard time about that now. In 2019, Peggy launched her e-design business. She was looking to fill a sweet spot, 
something more affordable than a traditional full-service designer, but more elevated than the mass-market sites like Havenly or Modsy, which often charge $100 or less for a room. But that gap in the market was challenging to fill. I was thinking, how can I make a business out of this? How could I charge more when my potential client can just go get a virtual design? But I, the more I thought about it, I was like, I can differentiate myself from some of these other virtual design big box type websites because it's me. You're getting me. You're getting this personalized attention and giving them a really amazing experience that is worth a lot more than $100 for a room. So, um, and you know, word of mouth is powerful. And so I thought if I just get that snowball going with a few good referrals that I could justify what I was charging and get a wide range of people and not just people that need really high-end services. I wanted to help people that you know wanted to shop at Target and World Market too. You know, you always hear people say niche down, niche down, niche down, and I kind of did the opposite, but it's working out for me and I really enjoy it. I wanted to talk to Peggy about the tech tools that helped expand her clientele, why sharing her work is an essential part of her business ethos, and how the pandemic has changed client behavior for good. You know, you said you woke up one morning and said, I think I want to do this design service thing virtually. Mm -hmm. Why virtual? I wanted to do it virtually because I still had two young kids and I wanted to have some balance in my life. Mm -hmm. I think that I also don't have the technical skills. The time invested in full service design seemed very time consuming and very Mm -hmm. technical and dealing with a lot of contractors and dealing with a lot of problems. And I had experienced all that on my own home. So Mm -hmm. I think I had this, I don't want to do that for other people. I don't want to be involved in all of the little nitty gritty problems. It was kind of this satisfying an outlet, a business. I've always been a really, I've always kind of had an entrepreneurial spirit. So I think that it fulfilled that in me while also being able to stay home. That's awesome. I mean, so it's been two years and like the world certainly has sort of caught up with you a little bit. Yeah. What went pre-COVID, you know, pre all of us being good at Zoom, what tools did you use to make this work? It was very cost-effective business school accounting just Microsoft tools. I used Excel for my shopping list and I used PowerPoint for my design boards. I looked around at some softwares, but it just felt like I could do this in some really simple tools to start and then go from there. Like, did you use like a Zoom or like a video conferencing kind of service or? So for every room that a client hired me for, I would send them a form that had several questions on it what do you need? What kind of window treatments are you looking for? Do you want a soft rug? Do you want a flat rug? Do you need art? What kind of art are you looking for? So very detailed, lots of questions. And then I also would have them send me measurements and photos of their space. Mm -hmm. I always offered to do a phone conversation or a FaceTime if they wanted to. Most clients just wanted to do a phone call. No one before COVID ever really took me up on the FaceTime (laughs) 
thing. (laughs) So we would have a phone call. I'd get their forms back, their style survey, and then their room survey. And then I'd give my client a call, go through the forms and any questions that I had or they had. And then I started working on their design. Is there a moment where you were like, I need to change the way I'm working? I think that at some point I did realize that I was spending more time on the projects than I probably should be or based on what I was getting paid. Yeah. But I think that there came a point where I was like, okay, I have this waiting list of people and I'm not getting to them as quickly as I want to because I'm spending a lot of time, which would be fine, I think, if I felt like I was making enough money to justify it. So I kind of came to a point where I was feeling a little bit like, something needs to change, you know, what I'm charging or something. Um, I was using affiliate links at the time on my shopping list. So I was making a little bit of money on top of the fixed fee structure. But I came across Side Door and I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I need because I obviously love trade product. And for some clients, they could afford trade product but I was not able to actually sell it to them unless I was taking, you know, possession of the product technically and reselling it to them. For someone who isn't familiar, can you explain what Side Door is and how it works? Oh, sure. So Side Door is a online tool for designers that has catalogs for all different trade brands that designers can use to create collections is what they call it. So For a client of mine that's, I'm doing a bedroom for them, I can grab a bed from Four Hands and a light from Curry & Co. and a side table from Gabby and a rug from Laloy and put it in a collection. And I can either purchase that collection and have it delivered to a receiving warehouse if I was a full service designer. Mm -hmm. But since I'm not, I can have my clients check out for that entire collection in one transaction And Side Door takes care of all of the logistics. So they coordinate delivery, they secure the transaction, they send out emails to my client when things are shipped and when things are delivered. And I make the whole markup from designer pricing. How were you pricing for the design work? And has that changed since you started? So I've always used a fixed fee structure for the design work. And it started out lower than it is now just because I was new and I didn't have much experience and I just didn't feel like it was justified to charge what I do now. But now I charge the average fixed fee I charge is, I mean, I'm sure most interior designers will think this is crazy, but I only charge, I charge less than $1,000 per room. It's usually between $700 and Mm -hmm. $1,000 depending on the room and depending on the scope. I have a full design fee and I have a decor only fee. Mm -hmm. So the full design fee includes furniture and a floor plan. And then the decor only design does not include a floor plan and does not include any furniture. Okay. So it would just be more like accessorizing the space. Yeah. It's like textiles. I do include lighting in that Mm -hmm. and any decor items. So like I said, when I was doing affiliate links on top of that, I was making, you know, I don't know. It depends on what products people were buying, obviously, at the affiliate link pricing. But but it's not a lot. It's not a lot. But I felt like 
the services I was offering didn't justify a much higher fixed fee. It just didn't Mm -hmm. feel right to me based on kind of my goals with helping a wide range of people. And I don't know, that might change in the future, but I was struggling with that for sure because I was like, I started this company to help people who couldn't afford a full service designer. And here I am feeling like I need to charge more because it's not (laughs) worth my time, which makes sense. I mean, that's why designers charge so much for their services is because it is very, very hard work. But I don't know. I just thought maybe I could figure out something different. And so that's kind of, that was kind of my struggle and came to realize it wasn't sustainable for my time. Like I wanted to be home with my kids and I didn't want to be doing this hot side hustle and feeling like it wasn't worth it. So like I said, the when side door kind of entered the formula picture of my business, it really was a game changer because I could offer trade product to my clients on their shopping list and I could make the full markup from designer pricing. And then if I had a client that was buying from Target and World Market and a client who was buying trade product, it kind of all came out in the wash and I felt good about my overall financial situation. So yeah, it's been, that has been amazing. And I'm so thankful for Sidedoor's platform. You know, that focus on affordable design and kind of on making design services accessible really seems to underpin so much of your business model. Why is that so important to you? I think that home is really important for families and for people and just Mm -hmm. the home environment. Uh, One of my big things is that I want home to promote comfort and rest and hospitality and joy. And I think that so many people, no matter what their financial situation is, really struggle with decorating their house. And they don't love being at their house. They don't love being home. They feel like their house is half finished or they don't enjoy inviting people over. Mm-hmm. And that makes me sad to think about that because I love having people over to my house and I love being over at other people's houses and I love being at home with my children and I want other people to have that same experience in their homes. And so offering affordable design services to all, like I kind of thought about for a while I had on my website when I first started, it was like interior design for all was kind of my slogan Mm -hmm. because I just thought it doesn't have to be a luxury service. And in my mind, there has to be another way to help people build a home that they really enjoy being in. And I think that one thing that has been really rewarding for me is past clients saying, you really helped me understand how to decorate or how to accessorize or how to play with scale or whatever so that they can maybe do it in a room that I didn't help them design, but they can do it on their own now or they can share with their friends. So yeah. And I think that that's also what drives my blog and some of my social media. Like the teaching piece of it? Teaching and just sharing. So when I when I work with a client in my contract, I ask them, can I share your design board and all the sources? 
on social media and on my blog. And almost all of them say yes. And I think that's because they know that they're not paying a full service interior design fee. And they maybe assume or know my heart in that I want to share with other people that can't even afford the fees that I have right now. Mm-hmm. And it's also a way to help more people when I am a one woman operation and I don't have the bandwidth to take on everybody. I can send them to my blog and say, hey, this is your style. You know, my blog is organized by style. You can find all the bedrooms under your style by, you know, sorting through my blog. So, And then can people shop from your blog as well? Yes. So the goal is to blog every one of my virtual design projects and have them organized by style and by room so that Mm -hmm. people can go on and see my past projects and then shop them as well. Is there anything better than lively conversation? Great furniture, lighting, art, mirrors, and accessories invariably tell a story. And that's why designers love Chelsea House, which designs and manufactures unique furniture and accessories with personality and flair that are sure to get people talking. Designers go to Chelsea House for the pieces that will take a project to the next level. Want to join the conversation? Learn more at ChelseaHouseInc.com. One of the interesting things for me about virtual design is that how do you get those portfolio shots? Because your clients are ordering themselves, your clients are installing themselves. Yeah. How do you kind of help them get it across the finish line? And how do you get those great photos of your work? So I do have a few local projects for friends that I photograph. So I have a handful of those. And so those are kind of my... (laughs) Like proof of concept. Yeah, my yeah, those are the only <laughs> the, the only actual photos I have of my work. But mm-hmm. sometimes my clients will send me pictures of their projects, and sometimes they're really great photos, and I'll post them to Instagram or I'll just put them in my back pocket. But I kind of had to let go of that. I think that it definitely was a learning experience because I think my first couple of projects that were virtual, I was very much like wanting them to get every single piece that I put on their shopping list and even some of my local projects too, where I saw the finished product and I wanted to photograph them, but they weren't executing it the way I would have, or they weren't buying everything on the shopping list. And I was just like, Oh, could you move this over about two feet and angle this and move that over there? (laughs) Right. And so I had to just go back to my original mission for my life, which was to have balance, have boundaries, work from home, be with my kids as much as possible. And I couldn't have that. Well, I mean, there are so many women who do interior design in different, you know, capacities and are all amazing. And making choices as a mom and a working mom is just so hard. Mm -hmm. So I respect so many different moms and their choices and how they work. But for me, I wanted to be home and I wanted to be home as much as I could. So I was like, I have to go back to that. This is why I'm doing this. I'm doing this for fun. I'm doing this as a side entrepreneurial outlet and I'm not doing it for the photos. I'm doing this for my clients. So I was like, this is for them. This is for their home and they get to choose what they buy. I'm not choosing what they buy and I have to just let go. Send them the Mm -hmm. shopping list, send them the install guide, send them the design boards and say, it's up to them now. Like I'm Mm -hmm. letting go. I can't get emotional about whether they 
fully purchase everything on the on the list, whether they take pictures or not, whether it turns out exactly how I envisioned. This is for them. It's not for me. Mm-hmm. But I've had a few friends and a few clients locally here who have graciously allowed me to photograph my work in their homes. Mm-hmm. So I'm really thankful that I have some content from those projects. And I do take in-person work. If the person lives in my neighborhood is kind of my rule. Yeah. <laughs> if the client lives in my neighborhood or is a really good friend of mine, I will add an in-person consultation to my process. Mm-hmm. But the thing I add for in-person is I come out to their home and we go through the room surveys in person. I take any measurements that they missed or sometimes I do the measurements for them if they're really not wanting to do the measurements. <laughs> and I'll <laughs> I'll take photos in person. We'll kind of go through some of the vision I have in person, but it's really and I have a lot of people who are local in Colorado who reach out to me and say, can you please come to my house? And I say, I'm sorry, I only do that if you live in my neighborhood. But trust me, the process is really similar. The, you know, I kind of have to talk them through the process. And by the end of that conversation, they're like, oh, okay, I guess you don't need to come out to my house. Do they feel different, the in-person and the virtual ones? Like, do you feel a different connection to them? I do. And I think that's why I, it is a little bit more personal. And I think that, that's why I do it for my neighbors is because yeah. we have a really amazing neighborhood and the community is really, um, w- really great. So I enjoy getting to know my neighbors and having that relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And I know as well that it won't be a big deal for me to walk over and help them if they are like, please, Peggy, help me style this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know how to do this. And then if I love the end product, I'll also have it photographed. So Mm -hmm. that's happened a handful of times and it's worked out really well as far as having a semi-decent sized portfolio and some content for social media. You mentioned earlier that, you know, you're booked up for the most part. How do people find you and where is most of your work coming from right now? Yeah. um, Most of my work originally came from word of mouth. I had a friend who I helped And we were talking about her kitchen and she was like, man, I keep calling all these interior designers and no one will come up here. We live in North Denver. Mm -hmm. And she said, the designers I've called don't want to drive up North. And I said, well, I'm kind of thinking about (laughs) doing interior design. Like I could help you if you want that. She was my first client. Mm -hmm. And once I actually decided I'm doing this, you know, like I had said before, I helped some friends here and there, but this was like, okay, I'm going to do this and you're going to be my guinea pig. Are you good with yeah. that? You know, <laughs> and she and I have a great friendship and she was like, yeah, let's, I'd love your help. Let's do it. So after her kitchen was done, she and I took some pictures and she sent it to some friends and I immediately had a waiting list. Like okay. as soon as she kind of put her kitchen out there to some of her friends. And so that was kind of the beginning of my waiting list and it's been amazing. So most Mm -hmm. of my work is coming from word of mouth, but I have several clients that come from social media or Pinterest or just find me on the internet, but it's mainly word of mouth. 
what does kind of a full project load look like for you? How many projects are you juggling at a time? I like to probably say I'm doing three to five rooms at a time. Mm -hmm. So depending on if a client has a full house that they want me to work on, or if I'm doing three separate clients with three different rooms, I kind of juggle it based on how I'm feeling, honestly, and where where I'm at with my personal life and anything we have going on that month. But it's easier for me to do four rooms and for a whole house than to do four rooms for four separate clients, Mm -hmm. obviously, because it's the same style and we kind of get on a roll with everything. Yeah. So it really varies. And I just have this internal gauge about where I'm at with my time and with my stress level And once I feel like, okay, I could take on another room, I'll send out an email to someone on my waiting list, the next person on my waiting list and say, hey, you're next. Here's your room fee. Here's your invoice. Here's everything I need to begin. I'd like to begin by this date. And then I kind of have this pipeline of work and I kind of have my eye on my current work and, you know, a month down the road where I'm going to be and what clients I need to reach out to to say, get ready, you're next, because it is a (laughs) lot of work on their part. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I do try to reach out to them at least two weeks, if not more, before I want to start with them because it takes a lot of time to measure your house and to take pictures of every angle and go through all the room surveys and figure out what budget you want. So yeah, I, I put a lot of work on my clients' plates, but I I think that's what makes it work for me. How long does a typical like one room project last from that initial outreach till they've got the shopping list and it's completely on them? It can be as quick as a couple weeks and maybe up to a month, depending on how quickly they get feedback to me. Okay. And if they want me to kind of do, typically I go room by room. So even if I'm doing a whole house, I'll do one room, get the feedback, get the shopping list out then move on to the next one Mm -hmm. just so I can start to understand where they're at with budget, where they're at with their style. So I'm not doing an entire house and having to redo the whole thing. (laughs) Totally. But sometimes I, sometimes I get a feel for a client and I want to do three spaces at once because they all flow together or have, they play off of each other. It kind of depends, but for a room, typically once someone has paid their invoice and sent me all of their um, deliverables, I tell them that I will have their first round of design boards to them in one to two weeks. And usually it's closer to one week. I don't like to make people wait very long. I know mm-hmm. it's like excruciating. So, and people are so excited. So, and so am I. So, I try to really not have too many projects going on at once so that I can get people their design boards quickly. Mm -hmm. And then if they get me their feedback, I usually can have their second round to them within another week or less. And then if they have another round, you know, so it depends on how, if they're loving it right away or if they have a lot of feedback. And then the shopping list is very quick. I use a program called Design Files that is amazing, has really upgraded me from Excel and PowerPoint. <laughs> um, it used to <laughs> it used to take me a really long time to put all of the products into Excel mm-hmm. from my designs, and I I really want to set my clients up for success. So I have 
lots of fields with instructions for each item and you know exactly what color to order and what size you know you want to have it be very detailed so it would take me a lot of time so with design files it's really great because once i have a design board put together i can basically just push a button and it exports a shopping list for me yeah and I just send them their design board. I send them their floor plan. Design Files also does 3D rendering. So I send them their 3D rendering and the shopping list. And I have install guides for them as well Mm -hmm. that kind of help them know where to put a rug and what height to hang your light. It's very detailed so that hopefully they're not reaching out to me too much. I kind of place expectations on my clients like, don't get me wrong. I love talking to my clients and helping them. It's just, <laughs> I have limited time. Yeah. So, How did COVID change the way your business worked? It's interesting. It didn't really change much. <laughs> I don't think except that people were more willing to engage me. Like they, I think that people realized that this was kind of the direction that a lot of interior designers are going and that this was a really amazing option for designing your space. And obviously people were spending more time in home, at home, wanting to redo their spaces, wanting to feel comfortable at home. So I think that more people started to feel comfortable with the virtual design concept. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I have no idea if I would have the client load I have now if COVID hadn't happened. I would guess probably not that I wouldn't have the wait list I have now. You know, it has helped tremendously with, I think, people's comfort level buying furniture online, which has helped my business tremendously because of Side Door. Yeah. I think that if COVID had not come along, then maybe Side Door wouldn't be as successful as it is for me because people wouldn't be as willing to buy a sofa online that they've never seen that's not returnable. Yeah. So I think that that has been a benefit for sure. Mark your calendar for Universal Furniture's exciting lineup of designer-focused events during High Point Market. Topics range from design's effect on mental health to how to leverage flat fees, tips on boosting profits, and so much more. Plus, international supermodel and businesswoman Miranda Kerr will be making a special appearance to showcase her latest Universal Furniture collection, Tranquility, and to talk about both her style inspirations and her entrepreneurial journey. Space is limited, so be sure to save your seat now at universalfurniture.com slash market events and visit the Universal Furniture Showroom October 14th through 20th at 101 South Hamilton Street. How has your client base changed? You mentioned this a little bit earlier, but you know, I think you said some of your clients, especially with Side Door, have sort of maybe have bigger budgets than what you had originally intended. How have you shifted or adjusted to that? Yeah, that's true. I think that I always say that I'm happy to work with all budgets. Mm-hmm. And it has changed. I think that once you service one person who has a higher budget and maybe has higher end taste, they refer you to maybe some of their people in their circle who also might have that similar uh, financial situation. Or So I think that that has happened to me for sure, where I've had a handful of clients that really want trade product, see a room on a designer's Instagram or see a room 
online and they know that that costs a lot of money and they want that and they're okay with that and they have that kind of a budget. And so I definitely have had more of that level of clientele than I had at the beginning, but I still have a lot of clients who have budgets who are on the lower end and need to purchase things from budget retailers. So when I have a client who's interested and who's on the waiting list and um, is coming up to be on my schedule, I send them a budget guide. Mm -hmm. And so I have this PDF that explains what furniture quality you can expect from each budget tier. And so I have three to four different budget tiers and I explain, okay, if you have this budget for a full room, these are the retailers I'm going to be shopping at. If you have this budget for your room, you know, I'll include a lot of items from my shop. I call it PHI Home, which is my side door shop. So I say, we'll source some from PHI Home and some from our house and some from Pottery Barn, you know, depending on where they land um, with their budget. And I think that's really helpful for people, especially my clientele. A lot of them don't realize how expensive it is to decorate an entire room at once because most people do it over time. Mm-hmm. And don't actually do a full room. They just buy totally. a, sofa, a sofa and a coffee table and call it good. So it's a good educational process for people. And then they know what to expect. And there's no, oh my gosh, I gave you this budget. And I didn't realize that I would only be able to afford Target items. or I'd only. And so I also tell them, like, if your budget is below this amount, on the survey I say, if your budget is below this amount give me your priority between quality furnishings and a complete room. Because if your budget is below this amount, I can't give you both. So what's your priority, you know? And a lot of times I'll say, okay, I'll give you a shopping list for a complete room and it's over budget, but, and they know that in advance. So that's kind of something we talk about. I'm like, okay, well, if your budget is this amount, do you want me to give you a shopping list for a complete room? And then you can just purchase what you want and then finish later, you know, a couple Mm of years down the road, you can buy everything else. You know, when you look at the, maybe the design media landscape or the design social media landscape, what do people get wrong about the way you work and about virtual design? I have so much respect for full service interior designers who are so skilled and technically savvy in AutoCAD and all these things that I have no idea how to do. So Mm -hmm. I totally understand if someone were to be like, oh my gosh, those e-designers, they're just doing a hobby. I love helping people make their homes into a place that they want to be in. I know that I'm not as qualified or as skilled as a lot of the designers out there, but I think that I have something to offer for a certain group of people that are really deserving of a beautiful home. So I don't know. It's interesting. Like, I think that I don't know what people think of me or think of (laughs) e-designers in general, really. I could imagine that if I was the full service designer and I went to school for interior design and all these e-designers were popping up everywhere that had no, you know, schooling or background or something that I would be like, oh gosh, you know, what are they doing? But (laughs) At the same time, I would hope that they would say, oh my goodness, they're helping all these people that can't afford me Mm -hmm. or they're aspiring designers. I see myself improving and getting better and better. And I 
enjoy working with different styles. And so I really am proud of the business I've built and the work that I'm doing. And I hope to continue to improve. And I take a lot of inspiration from other designers out there that have no schooling or technical mm-hmm. history of, you know, like Shay McGee yeah. and other people who are so amazing at what they do, but that's not what their, their background is. So I hope that people see e-designers out there and see that we're helping a hole in the market, like a, almost like a, oh, a gap. There's room for both. Yeah, I think there is room for both. And my goal is to help people who have are paralyzed and struggling and stressed out about just creating a house that they even want to be in. Yeah. You mentioned opportunities for the future. Do you, do you have a sense of how you want to grow your business or what comes next? I do. And I'm so ambitious. I think that I have to slow myself down sometimes and just take baby steps <laughs> and be patient. I have a couple friends that are helping me. One's helping me with social media and one's helping me with my blog. So I have Sidor powering my online shop right now. Mm-hmm. And so I have a e-commerce type piece of my website that is completely powered by Sidor. And so I have a lot of aspirations for growing that part of my business, but social media, the ROI on it can be tough in this industry. And so mm-hmm. I'm just kind of carefully assessing that right now and seeing where things go once I kind of fully launch the shop and fully commit to putting all my projects on my blog. It's been, we're kind of just starting to revamp that. We took the summer off of all social media and kind of the blog too, because when the summer rolled around, we were just like, let's just not do any Instagram for the summer (laughs) and just re (laughs) with all of our kids situation. And I would like to grow the shop and the blog and all that stuff, but it can wait. So we're kind of starting to revamp that right now and see where it goes and see what kind of income we can get. I have thought about hiring more people and kind of growing that, but if the blog and the shop are successful, I could see myself hiring some people for that part of it. But Mm -hmm. for the design work and the customer experience with my clients, I just want it to be me. And I'm happy with that and good with it for now. Mm -hmm. It could change, but that's how I see it for now. What is one thing you wish you had known from the get-go that you know now? Having the attitude that this project, this room, this design is not for me, but it's for my clients and letting go of control over the end product and letting go of control over what they purchase. Mm-hmm. I think that I used to kind of take it personally or get upset if I noticed that they hadn't purchased stuff or that they didn't install it the way I would have or whatever. That has been something that's been really freeing and helpful for my <laughs> for my perspective on <laughs> my work. Yeah. And one thing that has been extremely has changed my process a ton that I didn't foresee was um, I use Loom for uh, when I send my clients a design board, I send them a link to a Zoom video where I'm walking them through the design. And every little detail, I'm kind of walking them through, talking them through. This is my rationale for this, and this plays off of this, and this is why I chose this. And 
this is a little bit of a splurge, but this is budget friendly, you know, kind of really giving them the whole picture. And that, man, if I had had Loom when I first started, (laughs) I would have saved so much time because I used to type out these long emails, like explaining the design to my clients, like bullet points, you know, of this is why I did this and that. And so obviously a full service designer does a presentation with their client in person. And so they can talk through everything. And so I didn't have that. And so I was trying to figure out ways to just give them a heads up before they even looked at the design, what to expect and how I was thinking about this. So the Loom videos have really cut down on my emails and also just the feedback. I think my clients, they understand the design so much more when I'm, they hear my voice and they hear me talking through it and they hear me understanding their their family and their lifestyle and their budget. And I'm taking everything into consideration while I'm talking through it. And then the feedback that comes my way is so much less than it used to be because before people would send me feedback and I would have to explain myself. And then then they'd be like, oh, okay, I get it now or whatever. So now I feel a lot better. I have all of my explanations out there (laughs) and they know exactly what I was thinking and they know that I was thinking about them and their everything that they needed and wanted. That's amazing. One thing that has really struck me throughout this conversation is how much client education you do to set yourself up for success, whether it's the install guide or kind of any these explanations and really helping clients understand what the process will be and how, you know, what they need to do along the way. How did you develop those tools? Being in public accounting and being in the business world, I think prepared me to create processes and create a business plan and a business model that is organized and efficient and makes sense and sees the problems that people have and sees the pain points that I might have and tries to create a solution for them. So early on when I first started doing this, I ran up against so many different things. And so I just started changing my process like on the fly. You know, as I ran into a problem, I adjusted my process. I created a guide. I created a, I added to my email template. I add anything that comes up. I'm like, okay, for the next client, I need to add this to my welcome guide. I need to add this to my homework email I need to add this to the budget guide because this came up and I don't want it to happen again. So, you know, the style survey was kind of the original example of this. My first client who I told you about earlier, who was helping with her kitchen, we were trying to figure out her style and it was just, we could not land on it. And so I was having her, you know, be on Pinterest and send me all the pictures that she liked and I was sending her stuff. And so I came up with a style survey that has, I think it has... 14 or 15 main styles. And then it has 13 or 14, something like design combinations. Mm -hmm. And so my clients take this survey so that we can really figure out exactly what their style is. So I'm not sourcing all these products and then nobody likes them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of such a great learning experience for me to be like, okay, going forward, how can I make this easy and efficient to figure out what my client style is? to mix styles together, to make it feel super unique to them. And then, you know, that kind of plays through with everything from budget concerns and process inefficiencies. So I was just constantly changing my 
processes throughout the last couple of years. What does success look like to you? So success is something that I've always kind of, I think, been grabbing for. And the things in my life that I've tried to feel successful through have never quite been satisfying for me. I don't know if that makes sense. But if I may like insert my faith a little bit here, I had Mm -hmm. someone once tell me that success is learning the lessons that God has for you and changing. Mm. But when I really think about success as, okay, this revealed this characteristic in me, or I need to work on this in my personal life, or this business situation revealed this character quality in me that is ugly and I need to work on it. And I actually like process that and change and can look in the mirror and say, I'm changing and I'm becoming the person I was meant to be. I think that that is so much more fulfilling to me to know I'm becoming someone and I'm changing and I'm a good mom and a good wife and that sort of thing rather than looking to success in my business or in anything else. But I find so much joy and satisfaction in a happy client. And when they are giving me a rave review and they're so happy in their home and they're referring me to their friends and they just can't stop gushing about their house, that is definitely a great feeling and a version of success for me in my business and why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm so in awe of the business you've built and the the space you've carved out for yourself, truly. Thank you. It's been so nice to talk to you. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. Before you go, if you'd like to keep up with the latest design industry news, hear more great podcasts, check out new products, or browse job openings, head on over to businessofhome.com. If you have a note for the show or a story of your own to share, I'd love to hear from you. And you can email me at tradetales at businessofhome.com. Finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others discover the show. Trade Tales is produced by me, Caitlin Peterson, and Fred Nikolaus. This episode was edited by Caroline Burke and Michael Castaneda. Our theme music is by Kyle Scott Wilson. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>